morning. Ah. This, um, this week, we, um, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday evenings, and then next Sunday evening, uh, we have uh, an evening of one acts up in the black box. We um, haven't been promoting that real strongly, but you need to go to it. It's, uh, it's, they're going to be good. They, they've got some really good, uh, they've got a couple of really good um, uh, plays for you to see. And maybe you might bring a sinner with you. And they, um, you know, they don't want to come see Beauty and the Beast or something like that, but they'll come see a little one act or something. Uh, yeah, bring them. And then they might come to church with you. You know, who knows? It's an evangelistic opportunity. <clears throat> and I encourage you to do that. Uh, we're going to be closing out our series this morning. Um, and Destiny is the uh, the last in the series. We didn't re- we didn't call the series Destiny. We called it something else. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Would you, would you stand with me and let's read a passage from the Gospel of John. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that are in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place to make us alive to your word. And I pray that you do that, Father. I pray that it would come in, that it would change us, that it would change our way of thinking, that it would change our, our way of doing, and that we would be pleasing to you, Father. Set, set at liberty those who are captive. Open blind eyes, Father God. Strengthen feeble knees in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We actually, uh, there, uh, this is actually the fifth week in this series, uh, started six weeks ago when, uh, uh, but, uh, Clopas had, had one of those weeks. And, and the first week it started with a, a, a sermon titled, Get Out of the Boat. And that was kind of what the series title was. But that, that's kind of a misleading title because really the title of that sermon should have been, Get Out of the Boat or Stay in the Boat, but Be Who You Were Created by God to Be. That's an awkward series title and an awkward sermon title, so we didn't go with that. But, but anyway, the, the, the basic point was, see, some people are stuck in the boat. They stay in the boat because they're afraid of the water. They're afraid of trying to walk on water. Some people are stuck in the boat. Uh, no, some people get out of the boat because they have been told real Christians get out of the boat. Real Christians walk on water. Now, come on. 
uh, despite the fact that at least 10 of the 11 people who were left in the boat laid down their lives as martyrs for Jesus Christ. Real Christians are the ones who get out of the boat. So some people stay in the boat because they're afraid of the water. Some people get out of the boat because they're afraid that if they don't, they won't be a real Christian or what somebody will think or something like that. And both of those are terrible reasons. Both of those are awful reasons to do that. What you really are supposed to do, what you really need to do is find out who God has created you to be, what, what you're supposed to be. Not everybody is, is created to wear cool shoelaces. <laughs> Some people, though, are created to be so cool that their laces don't even match. Their shoes don't even match. Some people, some people are created to wear wingtips. And some of you don't even know what wingtips are, do you? Yeah. They're old-looking shoes, but they're made out of real leather. Yeah. The thing is, God has created you because he wanted you to pursue the thing that he put inside of you. I promise you that Simon Peter did not get out of that boat because he thought, you know what? If I get out of this boat, people will talk about me for centuries. If I get out of this boat, I will be an inspiration to believers. I I will inspire them to be able to go and do great things and things that otherwise they wouldn't be able. Peter didn't think that because Peter doesn't think. Peter just did what Peter does. He got out of the boat. And as I said, God needed a Simon Peter and he needs a you. He absolutely does. And you need a him because Second Colossians 2.10 says, in Christ you've been brought to fullness. That's, that's, where, that's where you really find the stuff. That's where you really find the, the purpose, the meaning. When I was away from the Lord, I didn't want to come to Christ because I didn't want him to change my life. You know, I, I, I don't know if anybody can identify with that, but I was very happy with who I was. At least I thought I was very happy with who I was. I mean, I was having fun. I was a mess. And I, was having, and I, and I thought, this is, this, is, this is great. This is, this is what I need to be. When I came to the Lord, though, I discovered that really what I was doing was destroying myself and a bunch of other people around me. And I began to find who I really was. What I really wanted. Uh, the next week we talked about we talked about seasons, uh, the fact that there are seasons in life. You know, in eternity and in the spirit, when you come to the Lord, something happens immediately. But that thing that happens immediately in eternity and immediately in the spirit, in the natural and in and, and in and in this life, it's a process that gets worked through. Now, how you know how to reconcile both of those things? I don't know, but I'm just telling you, they're both true. They're both true. And as uh, as Mel was talking about earlier, she was she was talking about, you know, sometimes you pray for things and pray for things and pray for things, and then after, I don't know, weeks, months, days, years, happens and go, breakthrough. The process was the breakthrough. Was it wasn't the moment, it, it was the process. God doesn't doesn't do wasted energy things. That, that process was actually what the breakthrough was in, in your life. Uh, and there are times in, in, in life where we, we go through seasons, and we talked about that for a while. And then, uh, and then uh, Bruce 
talked about being flexible. Blessed, blessed are the flexible. Uh, and we, you know, we, we need to be that. This isn't about being double-minded. This isn't about being wishy-washy. No, uh-uh. it, it's about, you see, we, we get, we get confused sometimes. We get so, um, s- concerned with taking a stand over things that we become hard. And we forget that really we're supposed to be clay in the potter's hands. And when you're not flexible and you're in the potter's hands, there's only one thing he can do with you, and that's break you. It's a whole lot more fun to be obedient than it is to be broken. And so blessed are, 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 are the, fact, the flexible. And then last week Barbie uh, shared about fear. What, you, what are you scared of is really what it ought to have been. What, what are you afraid of? And she didn't actually take it. She kind of went in a little different direction from what I would have gone in, but it was the direction that was needed. It was, there was a lot of people really got ministered to, uh, on, on that. And I've, and I've discovered over the years and, and learning to be a little bit flexible that sometimes, uh, the way that I expect something to go is not the way it needs to go. I don't know if anybody else has, has encountered that or not. But, uh, but as a pastor, there have been times when services have gone just exactly the way I wanted them to, and nothing happened in anybody's life. And there have been times when I've kind of sit down there and gone, oh, my, please, you know, and God has just over the whole room. So, you know, that's kind of what happened last week. But in, anyway, I mean, where I would have kind of taken it, I was, I was, uh, I would have focused on the fears that keep us from being what God has created us to be. But you know what? She actually kind of did that as well. Because when she, when she brought it around to, to Psalm 139, 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow. I mean, if you get that in your spirit, then, then fear of what people think or fear of what might happen, or fear of failure, just kind of goes, because nothing can touch me till God says it's time. Nothing can take me out until God says it's time. And there's a, there's, there's a release, there's a, there's a freedom there. So today we're going to talk about destiny, because that's, that's kind of where this whole thing was, was headed. And there are three things, three things that I want to, that I want to share about destiny. Uh, with you, and the first one is that your destiny is unique. The destiny that uh, that God has called you to. Uh, when Andrew brought his brother to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, "You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas," which, when translated, is Peter. And for those of you who don't know, I think m- many of you do. Simon actually means a reed, uh, something that's easily broken, easily just kind of goes whichever direction uh, the wind goes. And I know we just talked about being flexible, but this, this, isn't, this isn't the good kind of flexible. This is, a, this is a kind of flexible that goes, that goes where, wherever the, the, the winds of the, of the age or the spirit of the age goes rather than where the spirit of God goes. And so he, he, he was a reed, and Jesus is saying, you're going to become a rock, because that's what Cephas means. That's what, that's what Peter means. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. When we meet Jesus, we're going to be changed. When you meet Jesus, 
Jesus changes us. He changes, changes our life. Uh, Jesus did not save anybody to keep them where they are. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about geographically, but I'm talking about in their lives. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't save you to freeze you in time. He, he, he saved you to change you and take you to a, to a, to a place of destiny. Uh, as I said earlier, I didn't want to come to Jesus because I didn't want him to change my life, but he did change my life. And I'm, and you know, and I, and I'm, I'm so glad he did. Uh, the fullness, you know, there are times that I just look back at my life right now and I say, I look back, I'm not that old. And I look back at my life and I just kind of go, wow, how did I get here? How did I, 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 I had, um, a meeting with a pastor friend of mine this past week. And I said, how are things going? We hadn't, we hadn't gotten together in quite a while. I said, how are things going? And, uh, and he began to tell me, and he goes, you know, the family's well, nobody's sick. Uh, the kids are doing well. Things are going successfully for them. Uh, my wife and I are doing well. We're having a great time. Uh, the church is doing well. Uh, we're just enjoying where we are right now. And, and, and I'm going, that's great. I'm glad, you know, uh, all that could change tomorrow, but you know what? You don't worry about that because it's just a season and things are going well. And, and I look at my life and I, and I just kind of go, how did, I didn't do anything to deserve this. In fact, I did a lot of stuff that probably I shouldn't be getting this. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be getting where I am right now. And yet I am. And it's, it's, it's Jesus, you know. Let him, let him change me. Uh, so, what, but what is fullness? What, what is fullness to you? What is fullness in your life? I'm only hearing one answer so far. Uh, you know, I think, I think fullness would be something to eat right now. <laughs> and some of you may be thinking that. Well, give me another fifteen minutes, okay? To Moses. Uh, and sometimes it's not even what you know that you want. To Moses, it, it ended up being one of the greatest people to ever walk the face of the earth. Something he absolutely didn't even want. Yeah. And in the kingdom, that's the way it works. Now in the world, you know, if you want to be great, you, you, you train, you work, you, you put in the time, you put in the effort, you grab for it, you go for it, you get it, and ultimately you're great for 15 seconds. And then it all goes away. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, you humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And then in due season, he lifts you up and places you where he wants you to be. And it's an eternal thing, ultimately, that lasts. So for David, it was a king. He became a king. For J.L., it was to become a deliverer. How many of you know who J.L. was? You know, I mean, several of you may, and some of you are going, that's, that's Superman's father, isn't it? Uh, I think that was Jor-El. Yeah. Uh, although I'm more familiar with JL than I am with Jor-El, but I think that was his name. Uh, and you go, JL, I've never, I don't need, I've never heard of him. I haven't either, because it's not a him. It's a she. Deliverer, warrior. She's in the book of Judges. Look it up. I ain't telling you. Uh, Esther, for Esther, it was, it was be, becoming a, a queen. For Peter, it was leaving the life of a fisherman and becoming a fisher of men. That's what it was. And so 
And God, and God has a unique destiny for you. Uh, in fact, there's a, there's a passage over in Revelation that is always, I just get the whoos. Whenever, whenever I read it, it's in Revelation chapter 2. It's a letter to the church at Pergamum. And it ends up this way. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We're included in that. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. Ooh. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. You know, and as a and I remember when I was younger, I'd read that passage and go, ooh, that is so cool. I'm going to get a white stone. And it's going to have a name on it, and nobody else knows what it is. Just me and God. And I think it's probably going to say flash. But <laughs> just, just thinking, just saying, you know, but it'll be something uniquely suited to who I am because God, God has, un- has a unique destiny for you, for, for each one. And, and the second thing that I want to share about destiny came from uh, a lunch that I had with Wayne Berry. And he, uh, uh, he asked a question. And the question was, is destiny a good thing? And I, uh, I thought, that's a very ambiguous question. Uh, and, but my immediate thought was, yeah, of course it's a good thing. You know, as a believer, the fact that you've got a, a, a destiny, uh, yeah, that, that's really good. And then I discovered that, that I didn't really understand what Wayne was asking, which is a frequent occurrence in my, 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 my talks with Wayne, but that's a good thing too, because it kind of gets you somewhere. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and basically, you know what? Uh, where he was going with it was he was going. Uh, he, he was addressing the fact that a lot of teaching today about destiny would lead you to believe that you have to always win. You will never lose. You uh, you you're always you're always the head, never not not the tail. You're always the you're always in front. You're you're, you're never behind. You're always first. You're never last, which is kind of upsetting because the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. But you know you you've always got to come out on top in every situation. And I understand the uh, the, the upside for that teaching. I mean, I understand you know well, we want to encourage people to step out and and you know and do stuff and everything, but it's unbalanced. You know, and when you're unbalanced, you you tend you're eventually going to fall at some point in time. And 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 not only that, it's a teaching for the weak, not the strong, because the weak can't deal with adversity. The, the weak can't deal with disappointment. You know, the strong can't. And not only that, it's wrong. It, 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 it's it, it's wrong. It's 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 just a lie, both biblically and and in life experience. Wayne, Wayne himself. A lot of you know Wayne's story, but but some of you don't. And uh, you know, I I don't know. Uh, how many years were you in L.A.? Eight, ten, fifteen. You went as a baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, dur- during the time that was there, he had, you know, some major record contracts, some major deals, uh, was on some, some big tours, had some 
big stuff lining up behind him as a, as a, uh, a singer, songwriter, musician. And, uh, and virtually, ultimately, promises were broken, uh, contracts left unsigned, uh, potential falling through. If that hadn't have happened, I would have never met that man. I don't know if he would ever come back to the Lord. Uh, You would not have experienced 20 years, those of you who were here, 22 years of his ministry. Blessing. Also, I want to say something about... uh, about my son, about Isaac. He, uh, I, and, I, and I called him yesterday to be sure this is okay to share with him, and, and it was. Um, about five years ago, uh, those of you who are here would know, but not everybody was here five years ago. About five years ago, Isaac was my, is my son, and he was uh, our youth pastor, and I fired him. And you know why I fired him is that's really not germane to the situation. Just let me say there was nothing, nothing illegal, nothing immoral, nothing illicit. Okay, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced uh, the fact that sometimes fathers and sons and fifty-year-olds and thirty-year-olds have a difference of opinion. Okay, enough said. Uh, but anyway, that, that happened. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, really nothing else comes close at this point. Uh, and, and it was hard for a number of reasons. Um, because I, I knew <sighs> interpersonally, family dynamic, uh, a whole bunch of different levels. This was just going. This was hard, and uh, we've always been a close family. We've always openly expressed our love for each other and and everything. But uh, there were times where I I thought I'd lost him. You know, I fired him. They left the church. They moved to the other side of Franklin. And, uh, and Isaac and I always kept the communication open, but it was rough. It was rough. But also, and this let me say, I'm not a crier, but there were, there were a couple of days I just couldn't hold it together, and some of you were there for some of those days. Uh, but I also felt like, and I told Isaac, you know, when, when, it, when it happened, when it went down, I said, God is going to use this. He's, he's going to make a good thing out of this. He is. Uh, and it was, quite frankly, it, it was easy for me to say because he had some hard stuff to walk through, and, uh, and I had hard stuff, but he even had harder stuff to walk through. But anyway, long story made short, I mean, a lot of you know Isaac's story now. Um, he was here the first of the year sharing his testimony, and over over the last two and a half years, I guess, really the last three years, God has just 
<laughs> really opened up the windows of heaven for him, basically, and, and, and given him a, a, a place of influence and a voice in the community and, and, in, a lot of people's, uh, and in a lot of people's lives, and he's able to do a lot of things uh, uh, for the kingdom and, and, and for people. Uh, it, it's, just been, it's just kind of been miraculous. None of it would have happened if he had stayed here. None of it. And he's also done some wonderful things in our family and in our family dynamic that, that needed doing, some of which we didn't even know needed doing until all that came to a head. Uh, what I'm saying is, you know, weeping lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Destiny is a good thing, but it's a hard thing sometimes. Just because destiny is good doesn't mean it's easy all the time. Joseph, Joseph who became second in command in Egypt, you know, would never have become second in command in Egypt if he hadn't been sold into slavery. And when he was sold into slavery, that even wasn't enough. He had to be falsely accused and thrown into prison in order for that, in order for that to happen. The process is the breakthrough. Jesus, Jesus could never have saved the world without going to the cross. Can never have fulfilled his destiny or created one for us without that. You see, we follow a, we follow a Savior who four times the Holy Spirit sees fit to reiterate him saying, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And that does not sound like every day is going to be victory or every instance is going to be easy because it's not. Jesus told his disciples on the night before he went to the cross, very truly I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. No one can take away your joy. I mean, that's a joy that's tempered in the fire. That, 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 that's a joy that means something. How do we run with perseverance the race that's set before us? We set our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, for the destiny set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is a destiny that can take you through some hard times. Because the last thing I want to share about destiny is your destiny is secure. Absolutely secure. I, uh, over in John chapter 10, Jesus says this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Woo. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. Now, a lot of you know I grew up in a church where I got saved every week. Except the weeks I was really too bad to get saved again. Had to wait to come to repentance. And the first time that I discovered that some churches taught that once you were saved, I don't know what happened there, uh, that once you were saved, you know, you could never lose that. That was, oh, there we go. There it is again. And, and, I, and I thought, wow, no wonder those churches are so big. That's the kind of thing I want. Well, 
as, as I've gotten older and gotten into the Scripture, I understand, yeah, I mean, he's got me. He has got me. I, I may need to repent every week. In fact, I need to repent every day. In fact, I need to repent several times a day. But there's never any point in that process where he doesn't have me in his hand. And that's, that's the worship team can come on out. That's, that's the destiny that we have. This, this is it. It says for our, this is what Paul says. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I think the King James says an eternal weight of glory. I love that phrase, the weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. It's the stuff. It's the circumstances. It's what people think. What is unseen is our destiny. And it is eternal. So don't despair. I mean, if you, if you feel like you've been um, uh, destined to toil in anonymity here, that's great. That's a wonderful thing because the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward openly. Jesus made it pretty clear, you know, if, ever, if, you, get the, if you get your glory from men, then you've, you've kind of forfeited it with God. But, but if it's just God seeing it, then you, then you got something. What do you love? What, what did God create you to do? What do you love? And I don't, I don't mean what amuses you. You know, I'm not talking about what's your favorite video game or, you know, what are you binge watching right now? I, I, I'm told, what, what do you love? What did he put inside of you that makes you feel close to him? When you go there, when you do that. You may not be able to make a living doing that, but that's how you make a life. You can't make a life with that. We, we get so involved in trying to, in making a living and thinking about it, we forget about making a life. What did he call you to? The day is coming when the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And your destiny will be fulfilled. And that destiny is simply this. To shine like the stars. And you know, when you think about it, you look at the star and you kind of go, well, that's kind of cool. That's their job to shine. Yeah, but there's life there. There are things happening that, that's beyond just shining. The shining is what, what we see. And, and so what our destiny is, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the mind of man what God has created for those who love him. It's yours. Would you stand with me?